We're going to be starting a brand new series as we start the new year, and, and really this series is entitled Closer. Um, and really as we look over the next couple of weeks throughout the fast and even going a little bit further into those uh, into February, depending on how the Lord leads, we're going to be looking at kind of this concept of Closer. I think that in a lot of ways, um, what God wants to do in our hearts and in our lives and in our church is to bring us closer to him. And, and so, you know, I, I, I try not to have these, you know, some guys, and this is great, this is fine for them and their church, you know, they have like this, oh, this is the theme for the year. Um, I, I'm not really one of those guys. I think that God gives us all direction and wants us to know things. And God definitely has spoken to my heart about um, where he, I believe he wants to take his church throughout 2023. But I think if, if this will help, one of the major things that God is wanting to do uh, in us, through us, is this idea of closer. Of getting closer to him, of getting closer to each other, of getting closer to our neighbors, of getting closer to, to individuals that God has placed in our hearts and in our lives to make an impact in. But it all starts with getting closer with him. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at this concept of closer and how God wants to do that and bring that about, how we can do that. And, and there are going to be lots of different messages. There's not going to be a real, um, you know, we're not going to be in one section for the next five weeks or so. We're going to be kind of jumping around, but hopefully if everything works the way I, I, I plan it, we'll all kind of, kind of center around this idea of getting closer to God and allowing God to be closer to us. Really, that's what these 21 days coming up are really all about, is an opportunity to do that and allow God to do that in us. And so we're going to start out this series looking at a portion of Scripture that most of us have seen before, we've read before. This is obviously a portion, a portion of Scripture that we see in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost. When Peter preaches to the crowd, he, he pulls from this passage of Scripture. And we're going to look at it together in, in this idea of, of starting the new year, what God's wanting to do in us and through us. And I think hopefully as we look at these things... God will really begin to open our hearts to some deeper things that he wants to do uh, during this 21-day fast, but also throughout this year. So before we jump into Joel 2, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we love you, and again, we thank you. And God, as I begin to share what I believe you've laid on my heart, God, I pray that you would just open our hearts, open our ears to hear and to understand what you desire to share with us, that, Father, we would just look to you you are the author and the finisher of our faith. And Father, as you begin to speak, Father, we know that those words are powerful and they change our hearts and our lives when we allow them to penetrate. And so God, I pray that, our, that your Holy Spirit would just, just continue to move in our hearts and our lives as we look at these things together. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to start this morning in Joel 2. And in Joel 2, it's a very interesting portion of scripture, and I, and I want to read it to you, and then we're going to kind of look at it together as we kind of continue on. And, uh, but in Joel 2, we're going to start with verse number 28 and 29, and this is what it says. It says, then after doing all those things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. We, we've talked about this scripture before. This is a very amazing scripture, especially for, for who it was written to and the time it was written to. As we really kind of look at this, Jesus, or excuse me, Peter, is, is he's preaching this out on the day of Pentecost. He's, he's preaching this out to many, many, many different people. 
And it's, it's really a promise that God is giving to his people that's for all people. It's very inclusive, which at the time society was not. And so here God is saying, listen, I'm going to pour this out on, on men and on women and on servants and on masters and all these sort of things. It's a very inclusive statement. It's a promise that is for us today as much as it was for the people back then, as much as it was for the people during Acts 2. However, we need to understand something about this promise. And we love to quote this promise, okay? Pentecostal churches love to quote this promise. It's a great promise, okay? Don't misunderstand me. But this is what I like to call a conditional promise. There are conditional promises in God's word. There are promises that are not conditional. Basically, God says, I'm going to do it. It doesn't matter what you do. I'm going to do it. But there's also some conditional promises. And I would say this is a conditional promise for basically individuals and for churches and for families and everything like that. And that condition is something that you have to go back in Joel to find. Okay? But here's what I want you to do. As we start this, if you have a Bible, whether the old type or the new type with the, you know, on your phone, I want you to underline something for me. And I know depending on your translation, it may seem a little bit different. I'm looking in the uh, New Living Translation. So if you're looking at a different translation, you may find something a little bit different. I liked how this was worded. But I want you to underline two words. And again, if you have a different translation, um, Kind of use the ones you think kind of fit this. But I want you to underline the words, then, after. Then, after. Because I don't know about you, but when I read the words, then, after, doing all these things, I want to find out, if this is a conditional promise, what the then, after, doing these things are. Like, when God says, I'm going to do these things after these other things have taken place, I want to know what those things are. Because here's the thing. I don't know about you. I want my sons and daughters to prophesy. I want my old men to dream dreams. I want my young men to see visions. I want God's spirit to be poured out on my life and on my family's life and on my church's life, my community. I want these things. These are great things that God wants to do. These are things that God has promised his people he will do. But then after... Then, after. So, really, i got a simple question. Then, after what? That's a simple question. Then, after what? Then, after what will all these things take place? Well, to understand this, we have to kind of go back and look at the book of Joel. Joel's not a very long book, but it's a very important book in Scripture, as obviously all of them are. But let me kind of give you a little context of Joel so that you can understand what the then after is talking about. When Joel is sent, Israel is in really some, some deep trouble, okay? They have really turned their back on God. They are in some really deep sin, and, and it's, it's not a good situation. And so God sends Joel to them to basically give them a message to get them back on track, Joel is sent to basically kind of be kind of that warning light, that hello, you guys, we're going the wrong direction, we need to turn around, we need to do something different, or we're going to head to disaster. And so that's the prophet that Joel, that's kind of the context or the, the world that Joel was sent to. He was sent to the people of God to basically say, hey, listen, if we don't stop what we're doing, do a 180 and head towards God, we're going to be in some trouble. 
So God has sent Joel to send a message to the people to help them in that. We see a little bit more context or a little more in depth of that as we look at some scripture uh, that Joel shares with the people, first starting in Joel 1, 14. In Joel 1, 14, this is what the message that Joel has been given to give to the people. He says, announce a time of fasting. Call the people together for a solemn meeting. Bring the leaders and all the people of the land into the temple of your Lord, your God, and cry out to him there. So in this one scripture, we begin to see what God is saying is needing to happen before the other things, the other conditional promise is going to be taking place. We see this concept of fasting. We see this concept of gathering. We see this concept of prayer. And we see that throughout every person in the land, the leaders and all the people. We see it again in Joel 2. In Joel 2, verses 12 through 13, this is what it says. It says, again, he's speaking. This is what the Lord says. Turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. What a beautiful scripture. You know, God is the only one that can at times take these moments where it's just like, oh my goodness, we have to turn back to God. And at the same time, it was like, it's almost, it's strange, like we're getting disciplined because he loves us so much. But in that discipline, he's like showing us how much he loves us and how much he desires us and how much he wants us to come back to him. And so really, this is in your notes, God was calling his people to fast and to pray. And if they did that, then after would come. Okay, the then after, when we talk about, when we go back to Joel 2, it says then after doing all those things, the all those things was prayer, was fasting, and was gathering together in God's name. It was turning back to God. Now you may say, Aaron, you know what, I'm doing pretty well. My relationship with God is doing good. I'm happy with that, and that's great. I'm glad to hear that. But I think we can all, no matter where we are at in our relationship with God, God can draw us even closer to him. And so maybe you don't have this issue where you're feeling like you have to kind of, you're kind of going one way and now I'm going to turn all the way back to God. But at the same time, we can all turn maybe even just a little bit more towards him in our hearts and in our lives. And it's interesting here that God basically in Joel 2 tells his people, listen, don't, don't tear your clothes. Don't tear the outward thing. Let your insides, let your heart be torn so that we can draw ourselves and have be drawn back to our Father. So there's something very important about understanding this. There's something very important about this idea of prayer and fasting and gathering together so that the then after that God has called us to, the then after that the promises of God are there for us, but there's a then after we have to get to first. So this morning as we kind of 
look at a, a story. We're going to kind of look at the then and the after of prayer and fasting. We're going to look at a story that is, is one that I've, I've known for a long time. I've really enjoyed it my whole life. When I was actually a kid, um, I actually was in a play or a musical, I guess, uh, in my home church about this guy and about this story. So it's one I've always really enjoyed. But it's, it's the story of, of Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat is found, a story of him and his life is found in 2 Chronicles. But let me kind of give you an idea of, of what's going on in this story. Basically, Jehoshaphat is the king and uh, he is given some pretty bad news one day. And things are kind of going along pretty well. He is a king that actually serves God and is doing things well. So this is not one of those kings that you read about that basically didn't know God and rebelled against God. And now Jehoshaphat wasn't perfect, don't misunderstand me. But in terms of how he lived his life... Um, he lived his life in an honoring way to God. He wasn't like some of the other kings that they had that totally turned their backs on God. But he begins to see some, some issues, some problems that come into uh, his life, into his kingdom that really begin to affect him. So we're going to look at this story, kind of pick it up. We're going to kind of go through it together this morning. But we're going to look at it in 2 Chronicles 20. So again, it'll be up on your screen. We're going to start with the first part of verse 2 and then jump into verse 3 and 6. But this is what it says the story of Jehoshaphat. It says, messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. Now let's jump very good to verse 3. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. Okay? He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. Let's stop there and then we'll pick it up in just a minute. Uh, Michelle, back there at verse number 4. So let me kind of give you an idea. Basically, it kind of you know, just to kind of get us through this, basically several nations have bound together to attack. Okay, this is not a good situation. This is a hopeless situation that Joseph finds himself in because of the armies that are massing against his nation. And so literally the scripture tells us that he is terrified about this. This is not good. This is not a good day. He's terrified. And so his response to that is he turns to God. Such an important thing to do. He turns to God, he begs for guidance, but he also takes it one step further. He also orders everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So they begin this, this, this fasting situation. Now let's pick up verse 4 and we'll continue. So people from all of the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord, and he prayed. As you continue on with verse number six, you kind of look at the prayer that he shares and it's very uh, reminding God of some of the promises and all these sort of things. But basically he, in this moment of terror, in this moment where he doesn't know what to do, he goes to God, he looks to him and he starts this idea of prayer and fasting. And then things begin to happen. You see, I believe that after we pray and we fast, then after moments begin to happen in our lives. But here's the issue. Here's sometimes what we find, at least I know I do it in my own life. I forget that there needs to be a little bit of prayer and sometimes a little bit of fasting before the then after will come. Some of us have been looking and searching and praying for certain things for a very long time. And maybe God is saying, listen, I'm looking for something a little bit more. I'm looking for you to be willing to put something else aside so that you can come and become closer to me so that I can respond and do some great things in your heart and in your life. And prayer and fasting at times is the key that God uses in our lives to unlock some things. 
And so in this moment of terror, in this moment of confusion, in this moment of hopelessness, Jehoshaphat calls for prayer and fasting. And here's the thing. We're going to see now some thens and afters of that response of the people and Jehoshaphat. We're going to look at three. Number one, God responds after prayer and fasting. Look at with me, 2 Chronicles, continuing the story in verse 20. We're going to look at 13 and 14 and then jump to 15 and 17. So they have begun this process. They're praying and fasting. And as all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children. Okay? Wives and children. Everybody. Everybody. The Spirit of the Lord came upon one man standing there. His name was Jezel, son of Zechariah. And then we get to verse 15. He said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wildernesses of Jerel. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Listen, when we pray and we fast and God responds, God responds. Like, I mean, God responds to these people. They are terrified. They are afraid. They feel hopeless. And God basically says, listen, you're going to go out tomorrow. You just need to show up. That's all I'm asking you to do. You show up and I will literally take care of the rest. What a promise. What a moment. I, I, I mean, I can't even imagine what must have been going through the hearts and the minds of the people when they heard this happen. When this moment comes, the, the, the excitement and the, just like, oh my goodness, this is amazing that God has spoken. God responds with prayer and fasting. Now, I, now listen, here's the deal. I don't know why even. You know, like, like people have had these, well, this is why God responds. And I've heard different things. Oh, God responds for this reason and that reason. And, and, and I'm sure those are all great. But honestly, as we begin to pray and fast, it gets God's attention. And it's something that as we do these things as individuals, and especially as a corporate body, God will respond to it. And he did. He did in a powerful way. And I don't believe that that is something that God only did back then, by the way. I believe that God wants to respond just as clearly, just as powerfully today as he did then. Number two, number two, God brings victory after prayer and fasting. Look at with me, 2 Chronicles 20, starting with verse number 21, all the way to verse 24. It says, after consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army singing to the Lord and praising Him for His holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Now, let's stop here for a second. We'll pick it up in a minute, Michelle. But here's the deal. 
Not only does God make this promise that you don't have to do anything, Jehoshaphat takes an extra step and basically says, listen, we're going to have the choir lead the army out. Okay. Now, I'm going to say this because I have sung in choirs, so I'm not throwing rocks at anybody other than me. But I will be honest with you. In all the choirs that I have been in, myself is included in this, there, I, I haven't really found a lot of warriors in the choir, okay? You get what I'm saying here? I'm not trying to be mean. I mean, maybe, I'm sure there's, David was a warrior and a singer and all those sort of things, so it can happen. But you know, like when I think about battle, I'm not thinking of choirs. I'm thinking of some rock hard, angry people with some swords and some spears. Not necessarily people that can sing on key. But God, God, you don't have to fight. You don't have to do anything. You just show up. So Jehoshaphat sends out the choir ahead. And so they head into battle singing praise and, and honoring God. You know, I mean, listen, you want to show, show me, you know, you'd be like, God responded to me. You know, when God responds to us, we respond back. You know, you want to know, you know, you want to show people, you know, God has spoken to me. God has shown me this. There needs to be a response to God's response. And Jehoshaphat does that. He says, listen, we're going to send the choir out because we're not going to have to fight. He believes so strongly in what God had promised. So he sends the choir out. This is what it says. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise and give praise the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness... All they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. You need to understand something, and I need to understand something as well. When God brings victory, God brings total victory. God doesn't want us to have a little bit of victory in our lives. God wants us to have total victory. Not, not kind of victory, not sort of victory, not all oh, well, at least we didn't get killed victory, but total and complete victory. Not a single one of them escaped. I mean, I, 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 can you imagine this? I mean, you come, sometimes you have to put yourself in the, in, in the mind and in the, in the body of these people. Man, they have been petrified. They are scared. Because here's the deal. I mean, like, like you know, if they lose the battle, they're all going to die. Jehoshaphat's going to be killed. If anybody's left, they're going to take them into slavery. This is a big deal. They're terrified. And they pray and they fast and God speaks. And then they go out to the battle with the choir leading the way. They crest the hill and the army is completely and totally destroyed. Listen, I believe in 2023 there are people that have some victories that God wants to bring forth. And he wants to bring total and complete victory. 
when you look at Scripture and you look how all this ends up with our enemy and the father of all lies. Listen, it's not a kind of a victory. It's not a sort of a victory. It's not, hey, we won 51% to 49%. It is total and it is complete. And God desires to bring that into your heart and into your life. But there's a then after. There's something that has to take place first. And in this case and in this story, it was the prayer and the fasting of people that brought forth this total and complete victory. Number three, number three, God brings blessings after prayer and fasting. Look, look, look how this story ends. This is amazing. Second Chronicles 20, verses 25 and 26. It says, King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, and other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it all. On the fourth day, they gathered in the valley, I love this, they gathered in the valley of blessing, which got its name that day because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. It is still called the valley of blessing today. I love that. You know, here's the deal. When you look forward and you look at 2023, I'm going to tell you right now, I, I am not a prophet. I'm just simply someone who reads God's word. There's going to be some valleys that you're going to walk through. There, there are going to be some valleys of death. There's going to be some valleys of discouragement. There's going to be some valleys of frustration. But listen, when we fast and we pray, there's also going to be some valleys of blessing. There's going to be some valleys of favor. There's going to be some valleys where God says, listen, you think, it, listen, listen, you got to remember, it, it took them one day to show up and three days to carry away the blessings of God. That's what God wants to do. It shows how good God is to those that love him and that are called according to his purpose. He says, listen, I'm not only going to just give you the victory, but I, it's going to take you three days to carry away the things that I have for the, those that love me. Sometimes it's so easy to forget. But God wants to bring us through those valleys of blessings as well. And I love that they call it that. Can you imagine maybe 100, 200, 300 years later, people are walking and they're walking with their families and maybe the dad is walking and, okay, we're going to head through the Valley of Blessing. Kids, dad, why, why is it called the Valley of Blessing? And he begins to tell this story. You see, the Valleys of Blessing are not just for you today. They're for your children and your children's children. They're for your neighbors. They're for your boss. They're for your teachers. So that when you begin to experience what God has promised in the then after, you can begin to share with them how God takes care of us. How he answers our prayers. How he knows our names and knows the valleys that we walk through. So many times we quote, and it's a great thing to quote, Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. But there are other valleys that we need to help people understand that we walk through as children of God. So many good valleys. 
But it doesn't stop there. Listen to what it says. Second Chronicles 2, 20, 29 and 30. Listen. When all the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord himself had fought against the enemies of Israel, the fear of God came over them. So Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. There is uh, the favor and the blessings of God. We, we tend to screw this up a little bit, okay? And I believe that God does bring blessings and favor as far as financial and all those sort of things. But listen, there is no better blessing, there is no greater favor than peace and rest on every side. God wants to do that in our hearts and our lives. And God does that. He brings that after the prayer and the fasting. He brings that rest. He brings that peace. He brings that. And here's the thing also, as you see this, not only does he bring that to our lives, but people that hear about what God has done, it brings to them the fear of God. Now remember, this idea of fear is not this idea of cowering in the corner, afraid. It's this idea of reverence. It's this idea of awe. Listen, our world doesn't need a fear of God. Run and hide in the corner right now. What they need is a reverence and an awe of God. And we see in this scripture it comes because of what Christ, or what God has done in the hearts and the lives of his people when they have gotten serious about the situations they find themselves in and have begun prayer and fasting. You see, I believe as a church and as individuals, as we pray and as we fast, that God will bring favor into our lives, but he'll also bring a favor so that others will see it and acknowledge God. And that's so important. These things come then after. These things happen because God's people get serious about him and serious about what God wants to do. And here's the deal. God will at times bring some very hard situations into our hearts and into our lives to get us to this point. Now, here's what's great. We don't have to do this. What I mean by that is we don't have to allow God to bring the hard times to us. We can basically say, hey, things are great. What a wonderful time to pray and fast. Not, oh my goodness, we're being attacked on every side. Now we need to get serious. But here's the thing is, God in his loving kindness, in his loving discipline, will allow armies to encircle you. If that's what it takes to bring the then after into your life. That's how much God wants to do these things. That's how much God wants to bring favor and blessing. That's how much God wants to bring um, the idea of, of, excuse me, the idea of, of responding and the idea of victory in our lives. He'll even allow the armies to circle us. Because he's got something so much greater in the then after. So as we conclude kind of this morning, obviously our 21-day fast and prayer time is going to be starting a week from today. I want us to kind of break this down because now some of you have been here before, you've experienced this with us, but some of you have not. And I want to kind of let you know kind of how we handled this and kind of what, what I believe, not, not what I expect, because listen, I can't do anything for you, okay? 
but what I believe God is calling us as individuals and us as a church family to do. And so really, this is a three-part, 21-day commitment that I believe God is calling us to. And again, you're not committing to me, okay? I, I, I can't do anything for you, okay? There's no then after with me. This is a commitment to God. And so we're going to look at these. We're going to break them down as we close this morning. But really, part one is we pray, okay? Part one is we pray. We pray every day, okay? Now, now for some of us, that this, is a, this is old hat, and that's great, okay? We pray every day. But for some of us, we, we, we forget at times. We need some encouragement here. So the first part of this 21-day fast and prayer time is obviously to pray, okay? Um, to, to spend time every single day in prayer and, and allowing God to speak to us and allowing God to, to, to share with us the things that he has for us to do and, and, and what he wants to communicate to our hearts. We have obviously times of prayer every Wednesday throughout the fast at 7 o'clock. You know, I encourage you to be here. Be here for those prayer times. And it's very important. Obviously, number two is fast, okay? Now, here's the deal. Anytime you use the word fast, people go, oh my goodness, what does that mean? What does that look like? Listen, there's lots of different types of fasting, okay? But here's what I've learned about fasting in my own life, okay? Because really what fasting is, is it's going without something for a certain amount of time so that we can instead focus more heavily on God, okay? But here's what I've learned about fasting. If it doesn't matter to you, it doesn't matter to God. You get what I mean when I say that? Like what you fast needs to matter to you, okay? So like for example, I'll give you this example. I am not a social media person at all. Zero social media as much as I possibly can. You go, Aaron, what's your Twitter? Uh, don't have one. What's Facebook? Nope, uh-uh. How about Instagram? Nope, I send snail mail. I do not do, I don't do, I'm not a social media guy, okay? If you are, good for you, but it's just not my thing, okay? It would not be really wise of me to say something like this. Well, for the next 21 days, I'm going to be fasting social media. Aren't I spiritual? That doesn't matter to me. It's not going to matter to God. But here's the thing. For some of us, man, we like our social media. For some of us, maybe that's what God is saying. Listen, I want you to be off that for the next 21 days. He said, well, well, everybody will worry about me, blah, blah, blah. No, it's real simple. You basically just say, hey, I'm just going to put this out there for everybody that wants to read this. For the next 21 days, I'm not going to be on here. I'm not going to be on here. I'm not going to be on here because I'm going to be focusing on God instead. For some of you, it may be food. For some of you, you, you can't fast food for whatever reason. I, I, I'm not ever going to tell you what you need to fast because that is between you and the Lord. But I will say this, it needs to matter to you. Because if it doesn't matter to you, it doesn't matter to God. Now, I've had people ask me in the past, Aaron, you've done this for a number of years. What do you do? And just so you know, I do what's called a partial fast. Okay? So basically, I don't eat for the next, for the, you know, starting on Sunday, I will not eat any meal except for dinner. That's it. That's all I'll eat. And so in those times of breakfast, in those times of lunch, I'll be in prayer and focusing more on God. So I, I, you know, it's like some people are like, oh, does this mean I have to fast for the next 21 days and don't eat anything but water and bread? No, listen, I don't do that. But I tell you what, it's hard. I, I always tell Emily, I'll just be honest, because this is the way I've done it the last couple of years. I always tell Emily, like, we need to have some really good things for dinner. 
because I'm starving come dinner time. It costs me something to fast. It's going to cost you something to fast. Listen, fasting isn't supposed to be easy. If it was easy, everybody do it. And so if it's not hard, if it doesn't cost you something, then I'm going to say probably you're not fasting the right thing. Okay? On the website, there's things you can, there's, there's a Daniel fast. There's, some people fast sugar. Some people only eat vegetables and fruit. Listen, there's, 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 there's tons and tons of ways to do this that will fit and work in your life, no matter what maybe condition you have or don't have. But I will say this, if it doesn't cost you something, it, if it doesn't matter to you, it won't matter to God. But we need to fast. We need to allow those things. And here's, here's, here's what I've taught myself over doing this for a number of years, okay? The hunger that I feel physically, I constantly ask myself for 21 days, does my spiritual hunger match it and exceed it? And there's been times where I could say, yes, it does, and other times in the fast where I'm going, no, it doesn't, and I need to do better. But we need to fast. So part one in this commitment to God, not to me, is pray. Number two is fast. Number three is assemble. Assemble. You need to be here or be online during this fast time. Okay? You need to be, if you are able, you need to be here for prayer on Wednesday. It's interesting in the story that we see in Joel and the story we see in 2 Chronicles, there is a power of people assembling. Okay? We not only see that in the New Testament where we're commanded to gather and not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but we also see it in the Old Testament where when these moments happen, there is power in the group. There is a power when we assemble in God's name. We know that where two or more are assembled or gathered, God is with us. And God is a part of that meeting. And so during this 21-day fast, I'm going to, part of this commitment that I believe we make to God is to assemble together. We make being here a priority as much as we can because there is something about coming together and praying together. Joining together is so important. In Matthew 6, 33, some scripture I want to end with says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. It's another conditional thing, isn't it? It's another thing here where God says, listen, if you'll seek me, if you'll seek my kingdom first, if you'll make that the number one priority he basically says, everything else I'll take care of. It sounds a lot like the story of Jehoshaphat, doesn't it? It sounds a lot about a people who say, you know what? We just show up because the victory has already been won. Because God has already done it. But here's the deal. Here's the thing we need to remember about the story of Jehoshaphat and this scripture. They still had to show up. And when they did, Everything was already taken care of for them. And then Jeremiah 29, 13. We all talk a lot about Jeremiah 29 in another scripture, but I like this one probably even better. There's a promise. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me.
How do we look for God wholeheartedly? Well, I'll say this. There are many different ways to do that. But I believe in this season, for the next 21 days, we as a group and as a family, we do it with prayer and fasting. And we do it with gathering. That's how we're going to search for him wholeheartedly. But here, listen to the promise. When we do, we will find God. Not, Not maybe. Not, man, if we just this or that. We will find him. And here's the thing. I want to say this, and I I don't know if anybody's going here, but I'm just going to try to kind of cut this off at the pass. A lot of times when when somebody will share a message like this, there may be people that will be sitting out there and going, you know, Aaron, you are are making God's favor, blessing, and all these things uh, conditional. You're making them basically where you're somewhat controlling God. Basically, if, if you basically you're giving us a formula where if you will pray and fast, then God will do this. Now, here, here's here's where I would say I, I agree with you in that. That there is a formula here, but it's not mine. It's God's. God has promised these things. God has said, then after I will. I'm simply sharing with you what God has laid out in his word to bring forth the things he wants to bring forth in your life. Do not allow the lie of the enemy to creep into your heart and make it angry and bitter and think that basically this is not what God is asking us to do because it's going to be hard. We need to understand here that this commitment of prayer and fasting and assembling is simply what God has called us to do as his people. And when we do these things, God responds to them. Not because he is forced to, but because he wants to. Prayer and fasting and assembly is not for God, it's for us. And God uses it in our hearts and our lives so that we can find him in deeper ways than we ever thought possible. This morning we sang an old song. Just turn your eyes towards Jesus. I grew up where the church I grew up in, we had two services. And the first service was more of a traditional service, you know, so they sang a lot of the hymns, and there was piano and the organ, and then there was a contemporary service, and, and so I went to, in my family, we went to Sunday school during the traditional service, and then we went to the more contemporary service and things like that, so, so my exposure to, to hymns really more took place when I would visit my grandparents' church. They would sing more hymns. And, and I don't know about you, but I, so, so I know a lot of hymns based on that and, and just growing up and being in a lot of church services over the years. Um, and a lot of some of those hymns, they have so many different verses and, and they're hard to remember. But, but for some reason, turn your eyes to Jesus, maybe because of how simple it is, has always been one of my favorites. I remember being in my grandparents' church, looking over and seeing my grandmother and my grandfather who, who 
became, you know, were saved when, when my mom and my aunt were very young and they really are, really in my opinion, and my dad's side as well, of course, but they were really the, the start of our Christian legacy as a family. And I would look over and I see my grandmother and my grandfather and I just can hear them not the, not, not the verses. I don't have any idea what the verses are. I'll be flat honest with you. But just hearing them saying, turn your eyes to Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light his glory and grace. If we're going to have a song that I want playing in your mind over the next 21 days, maybe out throughout the entire year, it's that chorus. Because in our lives, so many of us, our eyes aren't turned towards Jesus. Some of them are turned to some really great things, but not Jesus. Maybe to our spouse or to our kids or to our family. I mean, those are great things, but it's not Jesus. Some of us, are, our eyes are toward to our, our health or our, our portfolio or our bank account or our car or our house, but not Jesus. And here's the thing, when our eyes are not turned towards Jesus, the things of the world aren't dim, they're bright. And the things that are bright are typically the things that we're going to focus in on. Throughout the next 21 days of prayer and fasting, we're using this as a tool to turn our eyes towards Jesus. Because for a lot of us, the things of earth need to grow strangely dim. Because instead we're focused on his glory and his grace. So over the next 21 days, as God has called us as individuals and as a family to draw closer to him, Let's turn our eyes towards him. Let's let the things of earth grow strangely dim. I love the wording of that song. Strangely dim means that it's not natural for those things to kind of go into the background. The only way it happens, it doesn't happen on accident. It happens when we turn our eyes towards him. It happens when we fast and we pray and we look to him. You see, the then after will come when we turn our eyes to Jesus. So here's what I'd like to do. And I I know, Michelle, I know you can handle this, but because I didn't say this, it's just kind of what I just feel like we need to do. Um, I want to close with that song again. I want to close with us just, not just singing that song together, but 
as, as, a, as, as a seal of our commitment. Remember, this 21-day commitment, you're not making it to me. We're making it to God. I'm, making, I'm, not making my, I'm not making mine to you either. I'm making it to God. That, that's who I'm focused in on. But I believe that throughout this time, as we will turn to him, the then after will come. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim. So let's all stand. I'm going to pray. And then Michelle, after I say amen, if you just want to hit the, the play button. And we're just going to sing this song as kind of a closing chorus together. And then I'll come back and close. Father, we love you and we thank you. Father, I thank you for the promises of your word. I thank you that you have called us as a people to fast and pray. And when we do so, when we do so, you respond, you bring victory, and you bring favor and blessing, among many, many other things. And you use this as a tool to help us grow closer to you. You use it as a tool to help us to, to focus in on you during this time. You use it as a tool to bring us closer to you. Because here's the thing, Father, I know this in your word. I know it from experiencing you. You want to be found. And you promised we'll find you when we search for you wholeheartedly. We will find you. But there's a then after there as well. And so, Father, as we turn our eyes to you, and listen, obviously our fast is going to start, God, in, in a week. We can start today. We don't have to wait and shouldn't wait for the eighth. We can start right now. It's a perfect day to start, first day of the year. Help us to turn our eyes to you because we know what you will do when we do. We trust that promise. And we trust you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, soul, are you Light for a look at the Savior, and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in His wonderful face, and the things of earth will. Oh,
turn to you. There's a story in one of the Gospels. I don't remember. I'm sorry. I think it's Mark. Maybe John. Doesn't matter. It's there. And Jesus is talking with his disciples. And Jesus asks, will you leave me too? And I believe Peter responds and he says, Lord, where else can we go? For only you. Only you know the way. Father, so many of us, we tend to look at other things and other situations and other people. And Father, as we begin this year together, Father, I pray that for every single one of us here, every single one of us online, that we will make a commitment to turn our eyes to you. Because there's really nowhere else we can go that'll lead to eternal life. So, Jesus, as we commit ourselves to you, as we commit the next 21 days and whatever you called us to do as far as individual prayers and fasting and gathering times, Father, I pray that as all those other things get sorted out, that our eyes would be focused on you. And then I pray for me, and for all of us, that the then-afters will come, the miracles will come, the promises will come. And we wait 
with excitement and expectation for the then-afters that you have for us. We love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, listen, thank you so much for being here. There are those that are online. Thank you for being with us. Happy New Year to everyone. Remember, if you have any questions about our prayer and our fasting time, you can look online or please come talk to me about it as well. Um, I want to help you during this time. Um, again, some of you I know this may be a first time you've ever done something like this. And I want to help you to partner with you um, during this time. So whatever you need, please let us know so that we can help you. Have a wonderful week. Have a great beginning of 2023. And we'll talk to you soon.